Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. This is Grace for your, This City podcast. I'm Bob, and we are helping you turn your city upside down. How are we doing that? We are giving you biblical strategy and motivation so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your King, King Jesus, that is. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here with us today. I am joined in the studio with Pastor Marinda Goff. Welcome this morning. Good morning. I'm glad you're here today. And I hope you're prepared because you are yes. doing 99.9% of this program. Oh, okay. Hallelujah. Now you tell me. She tells me that uh, we're going to be uh, looking at making power available. And that's very important. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Marinda. And once in a while, I might pop in and ask a question sure. or make a yeah. comment. Or, Please do whatever that makes it definitely more fun so i'm going to turn it over to you yes so glad to be here uh justin is fighting the good fight of faith today and uh you know when i say that uh the battle's already been won that's what's so cool but uh the fight of faith i'm learning this i am definitely not experienced but i'm learning this the fight of faith is uh where you stand against the suggestions that the enemy brings to you it's the suggestions of uh your future doom uh suggestions of pain um but when we fight the good fight of faith it's that we're standing on what jesus already did and it's that no devil you're actually defeated and uh pain is not in the equation any longer for me or my body and so um much easier said than done when you're in the middle of a fight ah, but that's why we need the body we need people praying hallelujah it's much easier to stand and fight the good fight of faith when you've got the body releasing power in prayer i don't know if you remember the story i'm not going to go there but paul was in lystra he was stoned and dragged out to the out of the city and left for dead but the believers encircled him and began to pray and paul raised up from the dead hallelujah. hallelujah and so uh when we fight the good fight of faith we're standing against what the enemy would like to accomplish the enemy's uh video that he likes to play out in your mind of what's going to happen well this is going to happen you know well you did this so naturally your body is going to be in pain okay yeah naturally but i don't live naturally and i <laughs> I'm just saying this is how we got to be. We got to be. Hallelujah. So, you know, when you're fighting the good fight of faith, it's standing against fear and thinking only on what God's done. Yeah. And yeah. um, praise God. You know, we did that last night. Yeah. In our prayer time, we surrounded a map yeah, of the city we and did. we prayed over that map. We prayed over the streets. Yeah. And I mean, and this was in a generalized way, but... Mm -hmm. We're going to get into it even more That's and more so true. to overturn this city. Making power available yeah, and fighting the good fight of faith. It's enforcing what God has done 
the work that God has done in the earth. It's what Pastor Justin always talks about, being the ecclesia, governmental, ruling and reigning, and uh, establishing cancer-free zones. And um, this this making power available, I mean, I, I feel like I know a little bit, and the more I find out, the more I'm like, well, I really don't know much at all. But I love to read about what that looks like in the awakenings and the revivals. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite things to read about. And um, that's just kind of been a natural thing for me since I was in uh, high school. You know, I would hear about uh, different revivals that came and I got to be a part of one of those revivals. The Brown, You've heard me talk about the Brownsville revival. Uh, we went 98, 99 and 2000 and then brownsville came to our church they sent a group to our church in 2000 and so that revival really impacted hallelujah my life because i understood i was learning faith on the home front you know uh, we were reading brother hagan and following in the scriptures of faith and our pastor was teaching us faith and our youth pastor was teaching us faith well then we go to the revivals and it was like faith was easy in that spot you know, when the glory gets to a level, it's all of a sudden like faith is just real easy there. It's not even like you're having to try. And so I've always had this uh, desire and this hunger to see a move like that, like we experienced at Brownsville and like we read about. And so studying these and finding out that there are scriptures that prove what they did. And you hear stories like... Um, and I, the, one of my favorites is the one about Azusa Street where uh, David Garcia, he was one of the young men that was, was a part of Azusa Street. And he would go there almost every day. I think he would go home, he would go home after school and then he would walk down to the mission or either after work. He might, it might have been after work. And one day he's walking down to the mission and he happens to go by grand central station which was a mile away from the azusa street mission the apostolic faith mission i think is what they called it and uh apparently there's something going on odd odd and he can see that people are getting off the train and they're falling out and so he goes down and he talks to the train dude i don't know who that was <laughs> find out what's going on <laughs> and uh the guy's like this has been happening and we don't know what's going on and when they fall out they start babbling and so David's like, okay, I think I know what might be happening. And he goes down to uh, the mission and he gets Frank Bartleman. And he's like, what's going on? He's like, well, get him up, get him down to the mission. Um, apparently the glory is spreading beyond just inside the mission and it's covering now. It's, it's out a mile from the mission. So power was being made available to people at a whole nother level people that weren't even necessarily getting off the train to go to the mission <laughs> suddenly innocent people against their will are being knocked off of the locked onto the floor and babbling in other tongues <laughs> Hallelujah! and so this is the kind of power we want to be releasing especially in this this hour that we are facing as a world as a nation and um i'm thinking about one thing I feel like the Lord was just speaking to me about recently was, um, you know, I think if we were going to talk about what's happening probably in discussions uh, or what's kind of going on under the table, so to speak, with 
political leaders, um, big names, elites, if you will. I think that they would be real happy if America would just fall to communism or socialism or Marxism. Just go ahead and take the bait. And boy, they've set it up to where it'd be real easy. But uh, just looking back in history, that's never been our pattern. America has typically been pushed into revival in times of crisis. And um, I believe if the church will pray and begin to pray at a level like Elijah prayed and like the New Testament church in the book of Acts prayed, that we will see people fall into an awakening. Innocent people (laughs) against their own natural will (laughs) will fall under the power of an awakening. And so that's what we want to talk about. How can you turn your city upside down and make tremendous power available in these times that we live in? And so I'm going to start with that verse. And it is James 5.16. I will read it from the Amplified. James 5.16 Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Here's the part I want to get to. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. And uh, you know those really cool diffusers that they have out now? You put essential oils in them. Uh, This is the illustration because Paul talked about diffusing his fragrance. That's what I think of is that um, we've got that anointing, the essence of his presence inside us. We're temples. yeah. Yeah. And every temple has a river. Every temple in the Old Testament had a river. And so we carry that essence. And as we will begin to pray and work with him and whatever he calls us to do then we begin to release power a fragrance into the atmosphere and um i i don't know a better word at this point i'm looking for one but it defumigates the lost i know where you got that word <laughs> where from. Did I get that? <laughs> it defumigates and you know uh jude talked about snatching people from the flames of hell and I think a lot of people were confused about that. We're like, well, we can't really go back to hell and get people out. But see, Satan uh, flings fiery darts at people. He shoots fiery darts. And those fiery darts have fumes. And it's like they get gassed. And they get in a state where they don't, they're not in their right mind. They're not thinking straight. They're not thinking clear. And so what we want to do is we want to get into that continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer where we're making tremendous power. We're diffusing tremendous power. And we're deactivating smoke screens. And we're uh, defuming, defumigating people. And to where all of a sudden they shake themselves. And let me let let you hear what that sounds like right here. Uh, This is, glory to God, this story is just, every time I read in it, I just, I'm like, Okay, is there a place I can go right here where I can just prevail for just a few seconds? Uh, this uh, sounds from heaven. I don't know if I'm, I think I'm in the right camera. 1949 and 1952, the revival on the Isle of Lewis. And there's a lot I could talk about with this revival. It's so precious. Um, but 
suffice it to stay to say i'll start with two elderly ladies that started praying from 10 p.m to 4 a.m and one of them uh couldn't even really walk they were up in age and they lived in a small cottage and uh, there's even a picture of this little cottage that they lived in I, I i don't even know if you could see it cottage where the two elderly let's see right there oh yeah yeah look two elderly sisters prayed for the revival they lived in a town called barvis and this was on lewis island it's uh, a seven-hour boat ride northwest of scotland and a very isolated place uh not much industry i think there's just a little bit of industry there but um this island has been very marked by revivals revivals ebbing and flowing coming and going over at least a century and the last one and they've got recorded revivals the last one that was recorded was uh 1949 to 1952 and so beautifully recorded here by mary peckham who is now in heaven colin and mary peckham both are now in heaven but she talks about the revival the first half of the book and then the last half is testimonies of people who lived who experienced it who breathed it who tasted it who were set free by it and this precious little people the entire island was presbyterian bob oh wow isn't that interesting if you get on youtube you can look up mary peckham and she's sharing her testimony now here's something i want you to know that i've picked up on about revival there's a sound in in a person's voice it's a certain broken quality to their voice it's a certain uh quiver if you will in the voice by someone who's been marked by revival and she carries that to where you you could almost not even understand what she's saying but just the sound vibrations coming from her temple and falling on your spirit are are would would release cries you know deep cries unto deep would begin to call on the deep things in you and you'll find that when you listen to people sharing the stories of revival or even just people preaching that have been in revival and she definitely carries that but she talks about being a presbyterian on the island and being raised to believe that some were chosen and some were not and how that kept her for at least a few weeks from receiving christ because she thought surely i'm not chosen to experience eternal life and so she kept going to the meetings because she said god if i never make it to heaven i just want to be with your people she said she fell in love with the people of god and you know what they were diffusing a fragrance they were making power available and she could see the beauty of the treasures hidden in those earthen temples just these just common ordinary men and women who lived on this island and uh but finally she had her breakthrough and they would have these what they call after these after hour meetings after services and they would always be in someone's cottage and so after the service in the church you would go to someone's home and it might be different homes that night and uh it would go to one or two in the morning just people they would just find a spot and pray and they would say this room we're going to dedicate to those who want to give their souls to to christ tonight and she finally got that breakthrough where she knew god spoke to her and said marry your mind and broke off that religious bondage that she wasn't chosen wow broke off that that's a that's a lie from the pit of hell and so um anyway 
these two old ladies started praying because they had been through revival and they had been through a few revivals actually. And they looked around at the young people and they could see that something had been lost. Something had not been passed on. And so they gave themselves to prayer. And I want you to hear the story of Donald McPhail. And, uh, there's a lot of stories about him, but, uh, he actually here is just about 16 years old and he's sharing what started happening to him during the revival and he says let's see he was a native of the village of arnold a few miles west of barvis uh he was affectionately known as little donald as his father name his father's name was also donald when the revival began he was a tall slender high school lad and he relates the following experience one day i was out in the field on the croft and questions arose in my mind as to the meaning of life now those questions didn't just come no no, that's Holy Spirit driven. <laughs> there is some, there's some fragrance yeah. going on. What was the point of it all? This is what he's asking himself. I did not realize that conviction was coming upon me. He's out in the field. He's not in the church. Just as it came upon many long before we attended any meetings, there was something in the atmosphere that affected us quite apart from the meetings. We did not realize that God was moving in the community I recall walking on the moorland and I just sat down sobbing. I did not know why I was sobbing. I spoke to the sheep and I said, I envy you for you are not disturbed by the thoughts that are disturbing me. Then I would think I'm heading for eternity and I don't know what eternity, eternity holds for me. That's people making tremendous power available. It's, see, the, otherwise the enemy's bombarding him. Just busy thoughts. Just, uh, just busyness, distraction, delusion, uh, temptation, and he's being bombarded. But all of a sudden, that stuff got deactivated by praying people, two praying ladies. And all of a sudden, the angels are free to minister. The Holy Ghost is getting messages across. <laughs> I heard one guy say, it's like the angels are wearing those headpieces. And they get their messages directly from the Father because they know what's in the books about your life. And so when they, they get their messages and then they go and they're, they're telling you the message that's coming from the Father. And so all of the smoke screens, all the fog, all of the gas, if you will, has been deactivated around Donald. And now he's having thoughts about eternity. He said, I would think, or I had no answer to my situation. I am lost until I find an answer to these questions that are affecting me. I would sob and sob. I knew that I was lost, lost. And I was not alone in feeling like this. I heard the story about one guy on the island who who would just, after the meeting, he went home and he just locked himself in his room and just sobbed and sobbed and wailed and wept and cried in agony like he was in pain. And, uh, you know, that might be a little foreign to some people, but these people had a deep understanding of and a conviction of their sin we're not talking about guilt and condemnation that's devilish we're talking about a holy ghost conviction a work of separation a dividing between soul and spirit that was happening in these people uh where there was coming a circumcision of their heart that paul talks about and it was almost like a cutting away that was happening you know, the Bible talks about that. And they could feel the anguish of it in their spirit, in their soul. <laughs> that they were being 
separated from a life that no longer they could live and it was going to be a new life and what they would do this was common they knew that people would get under such conviction they would cry out in agony for hours before they finally and I know it doesn't take that to get saved but it was a deep work that was happening a work of sanctification and separation that was going on and uh Christ was being formed in these people and um that what they would do is they just say uh the little ladies that would pray they knew about it and they say well we'll just let them alone and let them wallow in it let them get good and convicted until the deep work is done don't leave nothing behind lord clean it all out cleanse it all purge it all remove all the dross hallelujah and so uh he said this is what i love he says i was not alone in feeling like this others too were deeply impressed by the atmosphere that surrounded us and i believe that if there are elements in our atmosphere like oxygen hydrogen uh whatever else is in there carbon dioxide (laughs) that we can't see those unless we have the right equipment and the right gear and i believe in the spirit there's also elements that are being released grace yes mercy faith is being released in the atmosphere even though you can't see it and there were high concentrations of these things being put out being diffused by the prayers on this island so much so that they said it was an atmosphere of the presence of god they called it a felt presence he said there was a solemnity that settled on the community and we were convicted whether we attended the meetings or not others in the village who did not attend were similarly impressed and some simply tried to shake it off so as not to be caught in the quote epidemic (laughs) it's like don't drink the water (laughs) everybody's getting saved whoa i was only 16 years of age when i heard about the meetings which were being held in march april um, I think that's cool because we're uh, we're in March, April of this year, March, April of 1950. I later discovered that the move of God had become begun the previous year, and he just goes on to talk about what God did for him in the meetings and uh, how he would just go and he would hear the word preached, but it was like it wasn't the first night; it was like night after night after night of that power of being under the sound of that power of being in the presence of that power that finally he yielded and gave in to christ he was ready and he he gave up he gave over to christ uh he said let's see after a cottage meeting that's what they call those after service after meetings i endeavored to leave for home but on looking around outside the house i noticed a man praying by the side of the wall listen to this man's prayer shouts and heavy sighs were heard from the people oh that's from the people within from the people within as if crying for help beasts becoming so aware of their eternal uh (laughs) damnation really is what it is he said i could not restrain myself any longer and i touched that godly man in a broken voice i told him that i wanted to get right with god before it was too late as i turned i saw christ in the very expression on his face in compassion he took me by the hand and led me into the prayer meeting an appeal was made about 1 a.m oh let's see at about midnight kenneth mcdonald from shader was praying and the presence of god overwhelmed me 
It was as though God came upon me and his presence went through me. I was suddenly released. I knew that I was forgiven and had peace with God. An appeal was made at about 1 a.m. There would be a prayer meeting in a bedroom which was cleared for that purpose and those who were concerned about their souls should go to the bedroom for prayer. Six of us went to the room. It was here in this house that I yielded to the Savior and found the peace which he alone can give. There were at least six converts that night. And he said that was the beginning of the response in the meetings in Arnall where he was from. He said, the night I came to the Lord, my mother was saved. And during that week, my father also trusted Christ for salvation. And uh, there's stories that Duncan Campbell would be preaching and he would close the meeting and people would begin to leave. And this was actually, I think this story happened on the first night. People began to leave and uh, Duncan's, but there's one man left praying and he's weeping and he's sighing and he's travailing. And then the man, another man runs into the church and says, uh, Duncan, can you please come outside? There are hundreds of people gathered on the, in the field and they need Jesus. Will you please come preach to them? And so it was drawing people out of the villages, this power that was being made, made available, dynamic, dunamis, dynamite power, uh, powerful enough to destroy strongholds over people's minds, demonic strongholds uh, over people's lives, their families. It just demolished the works of the darkness, the works of the devil, and allowed God's spirit and God's glory to penetrate those hearts so deeply hallelujah and so we're talking about making tremendous power available and uh you know that's what happened when the 120 gathered in that upper room and they prayed and they waited upon the lord acts 6 4 and it says and i think i got it here i'm not sure how this translation reads it the the passion this i think this is it no 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 that's the wrong one let me see the one that talks about how they turned their world upside down. I didn't mark it, but I know it's quoted here. Uh, yeah, Mary Peckham says, We have perhaps forgotten that the church in the New Testament prayed mightily and turned the world upside down. And so this is where we are at as a, as a church, as a, the body of Christ. Different streams, different companies, whatever uh, stream or company you may find yourself in. The Bible's very clear about the place of prayer. And we can't get away from this. And Bob, I was thinking yesterday, um, in all the years that we've been a part of Grace, and you've been here much longer than I have, the different things that we've done to oh, try yeah. to win the law. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you know, praise God uh, for the creativity and uh, the anointing, because people were saved people were healed there were deliverances but the kind of work that we are hungry for that we are talking about is going to take a prayer it's going to take the kinds of prayers that i i don't know if i've even gone that far into that deep of place of prayer and um, i remember being at brownsville and them them telling us repeatedly in uh, with agony in their voice, you will have, I mean, it's room full of 4,000 teenagers. You will have to pray the price. And I thought, dear God, I don't have a clue what that looks like. And I remember going home and uh, I'm like, I got to pray the price. And I, 
where do I start? And not knowing much and, you know, uh, not knowing where to look to learn how to pray that way. But there were times when I'd be on my knees and I would fall asleep and I'd wake up and my legs had fallen asleep. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I really nailed it or not, you know. But just seeking the Lord in that, pressing into that posture of prayer to make that power available. And, you know, I think what happens as a church, if we don't go that direction, then automatically we will try to get creative with natural things to try to win the lost. Not that God wouldn't move on us to do things and that not that God doesn't move on us, but this little island was seeing thousands. Brownsville saw people lined up for three years outside of the meetings you know finney's revival people would ride into the outskirts of the city where he was preaching and they begin to feel the power come upon them outside the city and they begin to shake and cry out under conviction and it's it's a power that's made available where people may not even be in the meeting but they're very affected dramatically by what's being released in the spirit and i'm telling you I don't think an Easter egg is going to do it if prayer, Easter egg hunt is going to do it if prayer has not been supplied. I know I'm looking at the wrong camera or a pizza party or, uh, you know, a, uh, a really great band, even though all of those things are great and anointed and it will, uh, there will be fruit, but we want something greater. We need to be able to reach the masses. We need to experience mass healings. Uh, mass revival we need that awakening in this country where it's not just oh this guy got healed you know one person this whole month or uh one person got saved this whole year no we've got to have this kind level this kind of levels of prayer and power being released levels of uh conviction in the atmosphere that are affecting people outside of even the church building did you happen to um watch Dutch Sheets this morning. No, I didn't. His, his, you, you need to go back there and yes. watch that. But he was talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. And how the disciples went there with him, and then he separated the three mm-hmm. to go with him as he went to pray. And something that he pointed out was that Jesus said, watch and pray. He wanted them to watch him how he prayed. Wow. Because throughout his ministry, he always went off and prayed by himself. This yes. time, he did it with witnesses. Wow. And, of course, those three kept falling asleep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he come back three times and woke him up. Yeah. But they did, I have to believe those three caught a hold caught of what was there. Even and then it asleep. spread to the other nine. Yes. And then to the 120, yes. to the 500. You know, so if, if people are out there and they're going, I don't know how to pray. I, I, I don't know where to get started, get started someplace, get around people that are praying. Yeah. You're not going to be able to pray like them. You're not going to sound like them, but you don't care about that. You're talking to the father. Absolutely. And he'll train you. Oh yeah. He'll lead you. He's in you. And he is the uh, great high priest who ever lives to make intercession. He is the intercessor. Yeah. And so we get that from him. 
And so uh, I'm just thinking about how in our country, when we won't go to prayer over it, when we won't bend our will to pray, when we won't stay awake and watch him pray like the disciples did, then there's no other uh, there's no other option but to try to get creative to win the lost. And I think so many times that's what we've done. And I just wanted to read, it's kind of comical how she words it, but Mary Peckham talks about uh, what that looks like. She said, we could add that there, are, she's talking about Lewis Island and how primitive it was in the 1940s and 50s. She said, we could add that there are no organizations, no coffee mornings, even though we enjoy our coffee mornings, no Awana programs, as many American churches have for their young people. No boys organizations, no girls organizations, no church staff, no seminars, no highly prized programs. Apart from the Sunday services, it has the weekly prayer meeting and other spontaneous prayer meetings which occur here and there. That's all. Yeah. That's all it took, apparently. Perhaps we should learn some basic spiritual principles in churches with difficult needs in modern modern city life, various organizations will, of course, be needed. But the emphasis in Lewis is so obviously that of prayer, an activity and objective that supersedes all else. All that which we deem to be so very necessary for success in God's eyes may not be so very necessary after all. In fact, these issues might well get in the way of better things. They could well be hindrances and not the necessities which we thought them to be. We can be so occupied with the trappings when God is waiting for the worship and adoration of our hearts. He is waiting for us to get to the place where he can put within us something of the burden which he bears for a lost humanity. That's what he was doing with those three guys. Right. He's like, I know they're going to fall asleep, but they're going to catch it in the spirit. Yeah. yeah. Which will then in turn drive us to our knees to intercede mightily in the power of the Holy Spirit. He sweat drops of blood in agony in anguish for the lost. And she says, but we have our programs. She's not talking about Lewis Island. Yes, sir, we have our programs, our activities, our essential organizations, our game evenings, our study groups, our musicians, our practices and rehearsals. Many of these activities are wholly legitimate and wonderfully used in the service of the master. We are busy, busy, busy in the Lord's work. And she says, and Lewis prays. We have perhaps forgotten that the church in the New Testament prayed mightily and turned the world upside down. We have perhaps forgotten that the apostles said we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer was first and ministry next. We have perhaps forgotten that God calls us primarily to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek his face, and to turn from our wicked ways of barren busyness. Mm. Barrenness. And I think a lot of churches are feeling that right now. The barrenness. Where are the babies being born? Hallelujah. God, the Lord's going to talk about that here in a minute. Did you have something to say on that? No. Of barren busyness, of prayerless service, of scant acknowledgement of divine help. Of engineering our own plans, assuming that God will bless that which we and our cleverness have forged and established. I got to thinking about, <laughs> uh, must have been 2011. And the Lord, we were just trying to reach out to, you know, students. Justin and I were youth pastoring. And so the Lord gave us this idea, and it was called the Revo. We called it the Revo, R E V O. It was short for revolution. 
and we got permission to go into the school auditorium and hold these um, meetings in the evening and you know we oh boy we would practice to those songs were perfect and we had the stage looking sharp and the lights and the smoke and the music was like you know we had it seamless everything was seamless and you know then we would allow you know for that little time of the holy spirit could move and minister to people and it was great i you know i don't know i can't i don't think we saw any specific salvations from those events i think there might have been a healing but what the lord showed us bob was just it was almost a slap in the face he's like i didn't he goes i didn't put you in there to put on your big show He's like, what I wanted was the prayer because we'd get in there before and we'd bring some other people from the church and we would pray. Well, do you know what happened? There was a particular individual in a high position of leadership that had been there almost 40 years. And this man did not fear God and he was cruel and he was heartless and he was not worthy of being a leader. But young people were looking to him for direction for upwards of 40 years and he stepped down from his position and a godly man was put in his place who started um, a Christian groups and took father-son retreats, uh, was started prayer going. Wow. And the Lord showed us, he said it had nothing to do with your show. And you know, he wasn't belittling us, but he was just showing us the attempts of man. He said it was all about the prayer. All I needed, because other people were praying too, we didn't know this, that the uh, administrators and some of the, the ones of the board were believers and they were praying, I needed you to bring your supply to what was already being released so I could get something done. Hallelujah. Mm, and God. I just thought of that when I was reading and I thought, oh Lord, it's so easy to slip back into our cleverness, what we have forged and established. Oh yeah. <laughs> our yeah. programs necessary necessary programs and she says lewis prays we have our outings our parties and some even have their barn dances and lewis prays and you know what if you're concerned that uh this is not bible brother hagan talks about it real clear in this book about the lady who after the ch after the church services they would have fellowships and she'd be in the other room she'd roll out a newspaper and she'd get on her knees and everybody was you know enjoying fellowship and time together and and she would go and she'd pray and uh turns out she would go to a city and she'd pray in a church in every city that she went in and he talks about how intercession is one of the most important ministries in the church in fact i think he said it was the most important and i remember being shocked when i saw that and she says uh why was lewis so favored why has the lord been pleased to shower his blessings and reveal his presence in these remote parts why because they prayed they prayed expectantly they were expecting yeah. <laughs> they prayed persistently they prayed wholeheartedly. They prayed believingly. They learned to pray as they prayed. This is everything we've been talking about. The Holy Spirit has taught them in their praying. They have come to learn the secret of pressing through into the courtroom of heaven and of touching the throne. They have waited upon God. They were a community at prayer. They had known the secret of humility, of seeking the Lord, of depending on him to work, of importunity, importunately laying hold of him, of passionately pleading with him. Now, we're not talking about begging God. No. 
because he's already finished the work. But we're talking about that finished work being released through us. Right. That's the part that we play that is being worked out now. That part's not finished. See, he did his part. He finished his part. But there's a finished part that we have to pray and play out. And I think this is what confused me a lot because I tried to apply that to revival. Even after I had experienced revival, I just started saying, well, it's already done. We have it. It's here. We're in revival. Hey, Bob, we're in revival (laughs) by faith. No more. We're done. (laughs) Well, I mean, it, it wouldn't hurt to do that, to declare and, and decree revival, but there's a passionate pleading and intercession it's a style it's a type of prayer and you know as brother Hagen taught us there's different types of prayer there's different rules to different kinds of prayer and it's the prayer of intercession that is going to part the demonic uh cloud if you will so that the glory can come through and it's not something you get out of your seat for no, no. you stay in your heavenly p- position And it's as if you're working with the cloud of witnesses to scatter the darkness over an area, to part, uh, to tear, rend the veil, if you will, rend the heavens. You know, Paul talked about what was in the atmosphere around us. There's devils. And it's like you disarm, you can disarm devils over an area where they can't put cancer on people. They can't put sickness on people. People are sobbing and weeping in their homes. They need a man of God. They got to get to the house of God. They're crying out in conviction. And that's from your seat where you're ruling and reigning and you're telling devils to shut up and stop. And the angels are free to work. And the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is free to flow. Hallelujah. And that's what Lewis did. You know, right now, I believe... If you're listening to this, if you're yeah. you're watching this, the Holy Spirit is wooing you right now. I believe that you feel that in the inside. I do right now. I feel that that yearning, that desire to go deeper with him. I know it's speaking to you right now. Yield to it. That's what it's about. Yield to it. Yeah. I remember we had a prayer meeting in the youth house. Uh, this is where the youth met. And we were praying for, uh, Justin was away ministering at a camp. And, you know, he had called home and said, it has been, it's just been tough. It was hard. Like I've had a hard time breaking through. In fact, I think one night he couldn't even minister. And um, we started to pray. And, you know, we, we, here's what we were doing. In the name of Jesus, you know, we were doing our confessions and our, our decrees and our declarations and and that's just how we knew to get started right and in the corner of the room i hear <laughs> and i'm like i hadn't heard that in a long time <laughs> and i'm just like okay and i praise god i knew enough to say stop begging god you're having a boohoo fest back there you know get out of yourself pity <laughs> Thank God I knew enough about intercession and I had been in that place of travail. I knew, oh, somebody's somebody's in travail. And so I just said, hey, I said, you just go ahead and yield to that. And boy, she did. And it was like, it just flowed, this wail, this agony, this, this soul travail, uh, this release in the spirit. 
And, um, you know, she was the only one, not the rest of us, that didn't come upon the rest of us. Not that it wouldn't had we yielded to it a little bit more. But thank God I, she was able to uh, yield to that. And we didn't stifle it. And uh, the rest of the week was much better for Justin. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. And so uh, Mary says they had known revival and they knew how it came. It came not by organizing, by programs, by game evenings, but by prayer. And they prayed. And it came by soul travail. And they travailed. And uh, she says, yet it is not an easy thing to pray. There's a price to be paid. A price of, of curbed freedom. And let me tell you, when you got kiddos, this is so true. And... Um, you know, there's been nights where I can feel that pull and it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, but God, if I do that, if I do this, <laughs> if I do this, if I, I'm, if I go in that room and I get on my face, you know, I'm not going to want to come out because that's what happens. I get so deep in there. I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't care about going to bed. And then the next day I got to believe God for energy right. to keep up with these little guys. I'm saying this little guy, there's a little guy in here. <laughs> But you know what he spoke to me? He said, little guy, <laughs> he said, the Lord said, Miranda, this is precious to me that you would take of your sleep when I know that you need it so much. And he said, I won't let you down. I'll meet you tomorrow with energy. Praise and God. of course, he said, they that wait upon the Lord, I re I'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And as challenging as it may be, because you think, oh, but I need sleep. You know, Jeannie Wilkerson, she said she'd do it all the time. She said, I can't help it. I get so energized when I'm in that place. And she said, one night, her and her husband had gone to bed, and she said she starts to slip out of the bed, and she felt his arm. He said, oh, no, you don't. You're going to bed. You're sleeping tonight. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> she said, I just sat there, and I waited for... <sighs> And she said, I slipped out to the living room. And she said, and I got so gloriously carried, carried away in his presence and working with him in prayer. This is a lady that uh, she didn't know she was doing it, but Vietnam veterans came and they said, Sister Jeannie, thank you for being there with me. And she said, I wasn't there with you. And he, sh he said, but Sister Jeannie, you talked me through a landmine. He said, you stepped me, you walked, walked me through a landmine and told me where to step in her praying. Hallelujah. And so uh, we just trust God, even though it's, there's a price to be paid, a price of curbed freedom, of resolute concentration, you know, distractions abound, of agonizing supplication. Prayer is the acid test of devotion. To stay in the presence of God and to wait upon him, bearing your soul to his searching gaze costs everything. Prayer is a purifying medium. In prayer, we get to know God. And she quotes Daniel eleven thirty two: the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. Men ablaze are invincible. Hell trembles when men kindle. Whoa, that was a, a quote by Samuel Chadwick. Hell trembles when men kindle. We have the supreme example of our Lord Jesus as one who prayed. He prayed in the night so that he might have undisturbed communion. He knew when to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We must force ourselves to be alone to pray. Let no excuse hinder your prayer time, for your real effectiveness depends on your commune with God, communion with God. Become familiar with the courts of heaven. Prayer lifts the soul into heaven. I mean, and actually, we know we're seated in heaven. It just reminds right. us of where we're seated. It brings us in contact with eternity. It gives us vision of the invisible. It brings fragrance to the life, beauty to the face, heaven to the earth. Those who look to him are radiant. Prayer is a transforming exercise. Here is the secret of the burning heart and the shining face. Get through the barriers of wandering thoughts and weary bodies and press on into the presence of God. This takes time, but time must be made. Don't imagine that dreaming or dozing is praying. I have so done that. <laughs> Early in the morning, you know, we're just like, well, the cut him, we cut him. We've all been there, done that. And I've heard that, um, there, uh, what's his name? Jerry Savelle. He, he will go and stand on the edge of the bathtub so that he won't fall asleep and pray in the spirit. Wow. Just to keep himself from getting drowsy. I haven't tried it yet, but I really have thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, praise the Lord. Prayer demands every faculty of mind and heart, but the treasure it yields are the treasures it yields are always worth the price that it demands. Wait on God. This is the open secret of spiritual vitality, growth, and effective intercession. There is a such th thing as the burden of intercession. There is a cross at the heart of true intercessory prayer. A burden, a passion, an agony. Ezekiel tells us of the city given over to defilement, but speaks of those upon whose foreheads God had set a mark. They are favored and spared in the divine judgment, for they sigh and cry for all the abominations that takes place. And then uh, she talks about uh, how Rachel in agony cried, give me children or else I die. And Hannah, one of the most profound intercessors, when she was crying out for a child, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Do you know that she actually was the first one to, to uh, intercede and travail for the Messiah to be born? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we know that God promises it. He promised it, but he's working through man to bring it into the earth. Hallelujah. And... Uh, she has a poem here. Mary has a poem here that she records. Oh, it's time, what time is it? 10.53. Uh, and she says, uh, barren altars, what reproach? She's talking about when no one's at the altar praying. Empty cribs, no babies are being born. The church forlorn. Here we never God's grand approach, blessed cry of babes newborn. Bloodless prayers can never bless. God forgive, oft these are mine. Give, O Christ, thy brokenness. Pain-filled fellowship divine. Christ dwells in the broken heart. This enshrines Gethsemane. O dear Lord, give me this part. Sacrificial ministry. And uh, I just wanted to echo something that Brother Hagen said about... Um, about He had a whole chapter in this book, The Art of Intercession. Let's see. I'm on this camera. And you want to get this particular edition with this cover. Uh, this has got some things in it. I don't think the newer edition has. So be sure and find this one. Thrift Books, Amazon, making plugs. <laughs> Used books, wherever you can find them. And uh, he is so, it's so amazing what he brings out in this. He talks about Zion travailing. And he said, uh, 
there's something that we need to learn. The art of intercession is a lost art among us. We'll never really have the depth of the move of the Spirit of God until we have that kind of intercession. And he says, do you know why babies are not being born into churches today? He said, oh yeah, we have a lot of conversions, but very few births. It is because there is no travail and no groanings. And when some people begin to travail and groan in prayer, others are ready to throw them out. He was talking about a church where Grandma Greer was interceding. And uh, I think he said at the time that he ministered there, she was 80 some odd years of age. And uh, let's see, their services were full, running several hundreds on the Sunday morning services. But three years later, when he came back, they had a new pastor and the new pastor put a stop to the travail and they had no more babies being born. The congregation was down to 80 or 90 people. There were no more babies because there, there was no travail. And when Zion travails, she brings forth her children. And uh, so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, um, don't let the enemy persuade you into thinking that we need another good program. Unless that program was birth, birthed out of travail, out of prayer, out of a move of the Spirit of God, don't be so easily deceived. Because it ain't going to cut it. You might do a few onesie twosies here and there and thank God for them. But spend your effort, spend your passion, spend your sweat, spend your tears, spend your hours, spend your minutes, whatever it takes on intercessory prayer, on interceding for the lost, on birthing babies in the spirit. And there are so many that need to be birthed. And I believe God will begin to show you the fruit of your labors and that it will encourage you to go even deeper and go even further and give yourself to it even more. I'm, and I'm probably preaching to myself right now. But if you're looking at empty churches, if you're looking at empty seats, don't come up with another clever, witty idea that you think is going to do it. Because we ought to learn. There's not a move of God. Oh, who did I hear say I don't know who said it, but someone was quoting that history doesn't speak of revivals born, that history doesn't record revivals that were not birthed in prayer. Yeah, That's true. not a revival. That's right. It's not a revival if it wasn't birthed in prayer. And so the Lord is teaching us this, and I believe this is the key to turning your city upside down. I'm going to look for that quote by Brother Hagen really quick. Uh, let's see if I can find it. The, he talks about the business of prayer, and I hope the book doesn't fall apart while I'm looking for it. Yeah. Uh, he said, Here is a ministry, the greatest ministry of all the ministry of intercession. And he said, this is a word of the Lord in one of the meetings. He said, the way that you will give birth unto the move of God and unto that which he has planned, that which is his highest purpose and, and will for your land and for this day, the way you give birth to it is to bring it about through soul travail and intercessory prayer. That's Brother Hagen right there. And uh, 
you know, he didn't say that it was your, and I know we just keep harping on this, you're bringing in that really great band. Or uh, the fact that your worship team does Bethel songs every Sunday, you know? Musicians are, are needed and worshipers are needed. But if prayer has not gone out, if prayer has not been released, then we are wasting our time. And let's move on. Let's, grow. you know, Bob, it's about growing up. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't stay kids all the time. No. We need to mature in all things. What is that story? There's a story in the New Testament. I think it was Jesus. He said, he's like, you're like little kids. And you go, you played, we played the flute and you wouldn't dance. Yeah. You know, we had a big, we had a big band come and you guys wouldn't come. Nobody came. Wah, wah, wah. Because it's not going to get one like that. You stop being a baby and start birthing babies. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm talking to myself. Stop being a baby and start birthing babies. Right, right. <laughs> you know, as as we wrap up here, I, yeah. I, I want to bring in another member here. And that's sure. your son. And if you come over here, you know, in 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 the Bible, it says that in, in Ephesians, Paul is, has been addressing the fathers and the mothers, but then he addresses the children. Mm -hmm. And you got to realize that this book here, this Bible, the word that's in here, it's not just for the adults, it's for the children too. Yeah. And part of that is allow your children to see you pray. Mm, that's good. They need to see you pray, just like Jesus wanted those three disciples. Yeah. to come with him. And he said, watch and pray. And they had trouble. You know what? This little guy's going to have trouble staying awake sometimes yeah. watching mom and dad pray. Mm -hmm. But you need yeah. to bring your children into this. They That's are right. a part of the intercession. They can do the same things that you do mm -hmm. because it's not them. It's the Holy Spirit working through them. Yeah, that's you, good. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. Just be blessed and yield to it, flow with it, and let the Holy yes, Ghost pray through you. Yes, Thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. This has been uh, Grace for This City podcast. And uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can call us at 870-741-9099. You can contact us, send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. And uh, if you've got any prayer requests or anything, we would like to hear from them. We would like to pray with you. Um, you can find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, just about any of the major networks. Thank you for being here, and we will see you next week. God bless.